and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow the show. That is at HEF Pond. Follow the show on Facebook. That is Facebook.com slash HEF Pond. Uh, got all the news about Eintracht Frankfurt in the English language. New episode drops in addition to a contest where you can win Eintracht Frankfurt swag. So don't do this show alone. And to talk about uh, Eintracht results and all the news from the transfer deadline day, which has now come and gone, is Mark in New York City. Hello, Mark. Begits. How are you, Brian? You know, Polar Vortex 2019 has come, has gone. It's given me hell uh, working in my, in my line of work <laughs> as my job. You know, it seems like four years ago was worse, but ugh, I survived. I got through it. Uh, to anyone still trapped in that vortex, uh, trust me, have faith, stay warm. In the meantime, have a beer, kick back, relax. We're going to talk Eintracht Frankfurt because Eintracht Frankfurt, we may not have won, but golly, we still looked exciting to watch Eintracht well. Frankfurt. Two Werder Bremen, two. I mean, I mean, exciting. Really, Brian, was it that exciting? Yeah, for me. Look, for me, I thought it was great end to end stuff. You know, okay, so we didn't win. Um, I saw possibly to me. Now, if this was Lionel Messi. This goal would be, you know, cons- would have broken the internet, but it was this little scrawny Maximilian Eggestein, you know, and credit to Patrick who joined us from the Verda Bremen podcast, yep. Radio Free Visa, who did point out that the kid can come yes, up with some, kind of, some stuff. I was like just blown away by how good of a goal that was. That to me is goal of the year, and we were able to watch it, even though it wasn't for our team. Yeah, that was it phenomenal. was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing, and 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 also their streak continues where they score at least one goal in every game. And I think, <laughs> you know, I think I under underappreciated their ability, and I didn't think they were going to perform as well as they did. So my hat is definitely tipped off to them in that matter. But I. I don't believe it was that exciting as a Frankfurt fan. You know, just the manner in which we kind of would fall apart in the midfield to the back line. I felt like Trapp really had to cover us a lot. He definitely earned his paycheck that match. You know, um, I thought he was the best the player, player the on the match. Yeah, exactly. I think he was the best player on the field that day. Um, he definitely kept us in the game. And honestly, I was just really taken back by how often we were getting beat on you know 50 50 balls and we literally had no response to the counter and it was funny because you and i were talking about how there could be a potential bad yeah everything was bad i mean the reaction of our back line you know (laughs) outside of hasebe was just so sluggish like ben as you were saying in the last podcast hasebe isn't fast so obviously he was getting beat 
despite his composure. But the rest of our back line, which is no one was communicating that game. And it was just, it was hard to watch. Yeah, it was great that we came back and scored. And listen, these guys, these guys are amazing. Rebic and, and Haller and Jovic. I mean, they obviously, when they're on the field, it's really great to watch them all. But it was just the, the manner in which we had to come back. Okay, I get it. The the high of having that two two goal like score line, but for those thirty minutes in between, in the last fifteen minutes of the first half and the first fifteen of the second, it was you know I wasn't comfortable watching that game. <laughs> I would agree. Look, watching the Eintracht for me always is something that I can really just enjoy. And the fact of the matter was that this made me feel a little awkward because I'm like, you know, we're not looking all too great. This other team's really attacking the Eintracht with some real thrust. And yet Eintracht would then push back and then take control and then have an opportunity to score. Rebic, his goal, still another another goal. Uh, this season, you know, two goals in a row for him now, and each one has been special in this Rook Ronda. Uh, I would kind of like to question why the referee. Okay, I didn't mind the fact that the penalty was called as a referee. I'll, that's always such a tricky position to be in, but I wish the referee would have been a little, little bit more firm. I th- thought that our call was very wishy-washy there was an opportunity to call another penalty against the Eintracht thank god he did not but as for the refereeing uh Marcos if you're listening to a uh, hey on track Frankfurt um look just stick if you're gonna call it one way call it the other way and call other fouls that you let go on quite a lot because Honestly, I saw enough shenanigans between both teams that we could have been playing this match with 10 men and not Werder Bremen get a guy, quote, sent off after the match had already concluded, which I don't know if anyone noticed it. Uh, Davy Clausen uh, received his uh, second yellow card uh, for just continuously arguing mm-hmm. with the referee. It was just kind of like, you stupid moron and you know go figure that it that the red was gonna that the red happened technically after the final whistle had been blown and it was just you know you had to get it off of your chest you had to stick up for your buddies and guess what now you're gonna nip it in the butt uh i'm glad that uh, marco ross looked decent out there but yeah. it did kind of abraham having to go off I mean, it's going to be touch and go going up against Bayfell Bay, but you know, we have some reinforcements coming in the defense. Yes. So I'm just kind of scratching my head, wondering why we threw out a two old men and one fillet. But, you know, I think fillet's going to find playing time very hard to come by. And Indica, uh, I just kind of had to wonder. It's like, what happened? Just kind of had to wonder. But, I mean, to take mm-hmm. one step back, um, just want to go back to that, that game one more time. Um, before the match or the last podcast, you and I were talking about, you know, Rose and 
when he, where he was going to play because we were both really impressed with his first performance for the team. And we both were saying how the Guzman would come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Didn't you find it interesting that Roos and the Guzman got the start and Juinovic was on the bench? I thought that was – I was actually surprised to see that because I was like – I didn't even think of starting the both together. So I thought that was pretty cool to see Huda play them both together on the field at the same time. And it, it worked for quite some time, obviously, until the Guzman came out. I mean, Roos came out and then the Guzman came out. But, you know, it was just I wanted to get your your opinion, your thoughts on them playing together on the field. You know, uh, I will put this down to I liked uh, both of those guys having the kind of combination play. I think that Rode could have done more. Mm-hmm. Then he did. I think that uh, I wanted to see more from Gasinovich, Stendera. Uh, look, all I have to say to Adi is get off your high bloody horse and put Marco Fabian on the bench. I do not care how much tequila you have to drink <laughs> to convince him that it is worth his time to not be fat, not sit on the bench, but whatever you have to do, do it because the first row window him. is now closed and Marco Fabian needs to get on he needs the to play. substitute bench. And the thing is, I think if you put, if you switch things up and think, hey, I need a lot more attacking thrust, put Willem in place of Roda and then replace De Guzman with Fabian. Fabian will launch a deep ball to Alera, who knocks it down to Jovic or Rebic, and boom. Game-winning goal, and then you're going to look like a bloody genius, and all you have to do is basically play that play that song like a fiddle, and we can seriously get to we can get to the final four of the Europa League with just shenanigans like that because that will make everyone freak the hell out look i'm all on board about getting fabian back into the team i am i've always been a fan of his you know that we've spoken about it plenty of times here's my fear if you put fabian in for the likes of someone of the guzman for example you're losing one very key thing the run back. The guy does not run back on defense. He pushes really high up onto the field. He falls a lot. Granted, he's trying to draw a foul. You know, I get it. It's cool, especially if he gets it. But it's a lot in blood. Yeah, right. But when he first. when he doesn't get it, he doesn't get up. You know what I mean? Like often you'll see a player, you know, try to draw a foul. If they don't draw the foul, they'll get up to track back. Fabian doesn't track back. And like even during the Florida Cup, you saw it. Time and time again, he would sit there and stay on the floor and like get mad and try to figure out why he didn't get the, the call and then walk back. And it's just if he's going to get the opportunity to play again, I want to see him run. I want to see him going up and down the field and being an active midfielder. You know, if he's going to play center defensive mid and, and, you know, help out, he needs to track back. I understand he likes to push forward a lot, but he's got to track back and listen Here's my other thought. Okay. Like as we were about to talk in a moment about Abraham being injured. Now we've just signed three new guys. Who do you take off the roster to make space for Marco? 
that's the question now. Well, we didn't really change up our midfield kind of in terms of making additions, but we'll get into that uh, in segment two. It is time before we get into segment two for hashtag what are we drinking? Mark, we need a big old gulp of something. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking the most refreshing Modelo Especial. (laughs) Nice and cold by the temperature outside, I might add. Not even my refrigerator. Um, <laughs> the old German way, put it on your windowsill. It's a new, it's a free refrigerator, right? Um, sure. I'm, and yeah, I'm just having, you know, Modelo, enjoying that. So, gracias. All right. Uh, in my Eintracht Frankfurt mug is beer from my local brewery. That is Boulevard Brewery, brewing company that many people in the United States are actually able to consume it. So, hey, if you're able to find it, good on you. I've got this spring seasonal the Irish ale, a good old red ale. It goes down well. It goes down quick. It tastes great. I mean, it's got a little bit of bite to it, but as a many a spring beer can have. And uh, yeah, it goes pretty well after having a very surviving the polar vortex of 2019. <sighs> Need this special after transfer deadline day. Prost. Prost. And we're back. Segment two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Let's talk about a little bit of actually, what am I talking about? Uh, it is all about transfer deadline day. We'll get to a little bit of some of the news in regards to memberships and membership meetings and all that sort of jazz before we get into segment three, where we talk about Eintracht versus Bayfell Bay. That match will be on FS1. So there you go for your TV viewing. Uh, now that we are in segment two, it's about the guys who have come in uh, to the Eintracht. Uh, one player has left since we were la- since we last podcasted. Uh, Noel Nolte has gone to FC Pippenstrid, uh, a regional Liga team in the Bayern Liga. So uh, here's hoping that he's able to get uh, some playing time minutes with them. I would like to hope that he could then perhaps uh, with uh, the right Zweite Bundesliga team, perhaps one of these smaller guys will get promoted and he'll have an opportunity to get some good uh, Zweite Liga minutes next season. Because I think that Eintracht really has not had a kid come from the academy in a very long time. That has been a long term contributor yes i know that stendera is one his brother has been signed to a professional contract with the first team and marco rules is another but let's kind of focus on what has been brought in because eintracht is eintracht international uh we have martin hinterreger from fc augsburg now uh technically on loan with an option to make permanent this 26-year-old defender uh, comes from the Eintracht from FC Augsburg. But the real reason why he's been brought in is because Adi Hutter has known him uh, from his playing time that he had uh, playing in Austria for Red Bull Salzburg. Let's be honest. They, it's a part of the family. So uh, he never came to New York. Uh, I don't know why he didn't want to, you know, 
he plays at Salzburg, and you know, why wouldn't you want to come to MLS? Just saying. But if anything, to make Mark in New York happy of uh, finally, uh, he doesn't you fit know. the plan, Brian. <laughs> he doesn't fit. New York Red Bulls don't believe in three DPS. Okay. And nonetheless, he wouldn't even be a DP. He just doesn't fit the plan. I I, I watched a couple of videos on the guy earlier today. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate about his play um, mm-hmm. is that he's willing to get in the box and go for those headers. He's not scared of going up high. He's not scared That's of good. approaching a tap-in for a ball, which is nice because, you know, on we the corner kicks, we need tap-ins. We need tap-ins on those set-piece plays. He's definitely one of those poaching-type center backs. He's not a boxing-out kind of player. He's not looking for the pass. He doesn't seem scared to shoot the ball in the box, which is nice. Um, I didn't see much of his defensive play because most of his highlights are just from his Salzburg days from set pieces. So Mm -hmm. I guess we literally addressed a big issue for the team, which is our corner kicks. Um, I think we've definitely done better off of free kicks. Uh, If we had to pick between the two, I would feel more comfortable with the team taking a free kick. But looking at the corner kicks and with his ability in the air, I'm actually pretty excited about this. I, it makes sense why we would bring him in. I think he's going to fit pretty well with our center back, uh, which we need more pace. And he can go pretty quick. He's a pretty quick person for someone who's 1.86 Vita defender. Uh, I would say that it's pretty straightforward and simple as to why that the, uh, the signing took place for him. Look, we joke about it, how we love our players. But the fact of the matter is some of the guys are a little bit older than Mm -hmm. other players on the pitch. Two of our three central uh, defenders are in this most recent match against Werder Bremen are Mm -hmm. obvious moments of, yeah, we need to get this a a tiny bit. Zero pace in that center back position. (laughs) Zero. And that's literally how one of them got a yellow card during that match. Because he couldn't track back fast enough. God, what a mess that was. (laughs) But the fact that the monitors, look, got some guys who got a little bit more steam. Mm -hmm. uh, And hey, look, we're in a a good position. Why not go for it? So um, seems simple enough, a sort of transfer. Here is some other transfers that have come down. So, uh, for a very small fee, we have a Brazilian, Tuta, brought in from Sao Paulo. Um, you might recognize uh, that name as Eintracht Frankfurt took on Sao Paulo uh, in one of their matches in the Florida Cup. Yep. Uh, that was the first match Yep. Uh, the Florida Cup. Don't seem to... I'm not sure if I don't think he was there because he was he's the coming from the reserve team. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say coming in from the reserves. And for me, I think that's you know, it's good that we are able to pick up a young player like that. He though he is foreign. But the fact of the matter is that this is almost you could see it as Hey, we are connecting with another team in another country, uh, opening that could possibly become a great relationship uh, down the line. And, you know, when you come to these like little international tournaments or preseason uh, World Cup tournaments or uh, one, a little bit different in the case of the Eintracht playing during the Winter Pals, um, 
this to me looks like a good way of almost doing additional scouting and Sao Paulo seems a great team to pluck a few players from because just saying these is one of the better teams in the history of Brazilian soccer and hey they just they're able to uh they've been able to do rather well for themselves I mean I'd like if I could really uh, pick and choose. I'd like to get Hernandez uh, from <laughs> from Paulo and just turn back the clock about five years when he was running gunning for Lazio and Inter Milan and Juventus. But uh, what we're thinking on my this part, is the I second don't. week in a row, Brian. I have to remind you, we do not have a time machine. We oh don't. well. <laughs> you know, wishful thinking on my part. So let's get to uh, the final. Uh, the highlight. For, I think this is the best uh, one out of the three. Amane Torre from AS Monaco. Now, uh, another loan. Uh, is it technically a loan? No, it's a four and a half it's, year contract. It's oh, okay. It's the full contract. Full deal. Because 2023. For the longest time, it was just coming out as um, maybe we're going to get a loan and then make it official later. And I was like, oh, no, this is all that. But all this is me that, you know, at 22, Monaco, look, the only reason why Monaco kind of ditched him. So he had 20 appearances in point in the league, legal in 2017, 2018. And the thing is, the reason why he hasn't really made many appearances this season, uh, I guess it's only like four or five, is because the team has been crap and they've been trying to find out why the team has been crap and he hasn't really even had a chance to prove himself. And at 22, this club that has been basically a breeding ground for some of the best players uh, that the world has known is just an absolute effing shambles. I mean, the guy who they fired in October is back in his job. I mean, that doesn't happen in France, but you know, whatever, whatever. Hey, Eintracht's gain. That's all I'm going to say. So, uh, Toy, welcome to the Eintracht. I'm hoping that you, as a defender, will be able to give the Eintracht the kind of depth that they need. And you have a player who already is coming, you know, at the well, at the tender age of 22, he does already have quite a few matches in the Champions League and the Europa League already under his belt. And so you have someone who can pull from that knowledge because let's be honest, you look up and down our roster. You do not see guys who have been playing in the knockout phase of any European competition for the most part. It's not there. And that is just going to be a, just a tiny bit more experience, more familiarity with the two matches a week kind of training setup that for the most part, Eintracht has not had to deal with in quite some time. So I think long-term, great signing. Short-term, we'll see. What do you think, Mark? Listen, I think this is a... Perfect description of what an Eintracht Frankfurt signing is. 
He's young. He's 22. We signed him for four, for four, uh, what is it, three and a half years? Three and a half years. I mean, it's definitely in our budget. And once again, this is now the second player that we're bringing in. Third, if you want to count, you know, all three of them, I guess. All defensive players, young for the most part, who are going to have pace. This guy has no fear. From what I've seen, from videos that they posted of recent time, I'm talking about like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, this guy has no problem risking it in the box. He has no problem stepping up to the plate, getting down and dirty, making those tackles that some players may just try to push out for, you know, a goal kick. I, I'm really excited for him. I'm really excited to see Torrey play. This is definitely the one that I was hoping for after, you know, the last week we spoke about it. I wasn't really sure. So I started doing my research and this guy is literally good business. That, that This is good business for Frankfurt getting him at 22 years old. Because now, like I was saying before, Bovich is going to see, okay, we're here. Now it's time to start building up our youth, right? We won the German Cup. Now we're in the Europa League. We're looking good there. Now it's time to start building from the ground up. Now we're getting younger. All the older guys are starting to phase out, and the team is starting to get younger again. And I think we're definitely trending in the right direction. So this is going to be a very good signing. I'm excited to see him play. I mean, he can play center back or right back. So now we've got two center backs, Brian, who are not sluggish, can track back, and maybe hold our line a little bit tighter. So I'm very excited for this. Works for me because I like the idea that Marco Rus and, of course, Abraham and, of course, Hasebe can all kind of transition into the elder statesmen that they really are mm-hmm. and be able to, I mean, they're all under contract and right. for next season, but be able to help with the more younger defenders right. as they kind of navigate the week in, week out trials and travails that are professional footballer playing in a defensive role for a team that is going to be attacking like mad here. Here's just hoping that in the meantime, that certain players will get off our books and get off our books fast. Yes. I'm talking about Agata. I'm talking about, uh, paciencia. Oh wait, no, he's already gone. Never mind. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> and, uh, I think that, he needs to get lost. Uh, I am kind of still scratching my head and wondering, Alam, I kind of wonder when exactly we're going to see him. If we're not, we'll see. Uh, still some players who need to kind of move on from the eye track, but you know, what you're going to do. So that all being said, uh, the eye track brought in some guys, uh, let Nolte go to original league aside so there's been a little bit of talk uh, kind of about members. Uh, Eintracht have now been announced to have 67,500 members. Whoa, That's whoa. impressive. That's super impressive. That's the entire Valde Stadium. Full. Exactly. And then exactly. some. <laughs> and if anyone is kind of curious how to become a member, uh, yes, Americans can become members. It's a little tricky in terms of getting the payment thing to go in. Am I weird in the fact that I actually send mine by snail mail? Well, it's not really that snail mail. Well, it's a decent postage on it. But for, you know, the initial fee of joining as a member, you can be a part of a greater an overall greater sense of club and belonging. And hey, the scarf 
is pretty cool to be able to wrap around yourself when you're watching to Eintracht on TV. I'm just saying it elevates the feeling of following, being a member of the Eintracht. And the fact of the matter is you can show off that scarf. It says that you're a member right there on it. It's a worthwhile adventure as available on Eintracht Frankfurt's website. So it's www.eintrachtfrankfurt.de and uh, just go to membership and you'll be able to get it there. If you don't read German, Google Translate is brilliant to be able to navigate that. And yeah, it's a pretty decent a small fee. You get discounts also at the fan shop as well. Okay, I'm really promoting a lot of just club <laughs> stuff in and of itself, but I think it's pretty cool that Eindark Frankfurt, uh, I think we were in we were under 50,000 members uh, not that long ago, and they've done a major push for getting more members involved. You have up easier opportunities to acquire tickets if you're uh, traveling to Germany to get that. So all in all, it's a better thing. And hey, it's a nice uh, little way to be a part of the club because one man who is part of the club, Axel Hellmann, uh, has expressed his thoughts in regards to uh, there's a little bit of angst heading around with the city of Frankfurt. The stadium rent is absolutely astronomical because at the time we were bouncing between the divisions. Golly, we need to get that restructured. 10 million euros a year is absolutely obscene. Obscene. <sighs> Good Lord almighty. And the fact that uh, there's the argument with the city of, okay, who's going to pay for this expansion? That is a uh, plan to be put into place as Germany will be hosting the uh, 2024 European Championships. So the 2024 Euro is going to be played in Germany. And I'm assuming that Frankfurt might be and I don't know if they're going to be hosting like a semifinal, but at least a quarterfinal. So you're getting right there in the knockout phase. So hey, maybe you have more than just one knockout stage match. Eh, probably just going to be one. But uh, here's hoping that with the expanded format, it's going to be at least two. But um, currently deliberating between who gets to pay for what. Here's hoping that gets uh, taken care of quickly. You know. It is time to start talking more about the Bundesliga instead of the kind of the business aspects. Mark, are you ready to join me in segment three? We have a special guest. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Keep stay with us, fans, and we'll be back with segment three of Hey, I'm Jack Frankfurt. Hey, this is Oka Nikolov, and you're watching to Hey, I'm Jack Frankfurt. It's time to talk a little bit about the rest of the Bundesliga and why not talk about the team that was leading the Bundesliga Eintracht's next opponents is Borussia Dortmund. And of course, as per always, we have our resident uh, Bay Follow Bay expert, Jason in Kansas City. Jason, how are you, old friend? Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome no back. No problem. No problem. So I'm just here. So, I'm here to collect my trophy for uh, last time we talked. I said you guys were still going to be just fine this year, and uh, <laughs> here we are. Y'all look pretty good. Um, I appreciate that very much. So though, you guys are looking pretty stunning yourselves. A uh, 17 point gap between Eintracht and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, one in fifth place. One in first kind of paints a picture of how great of a season 
the Bayfell Bay have had, as you guys sit pretty, a six-point gap between yourselves and Bayern Munich. Um, when you and I were talking all the way back in September, the first Bundesliga match after the September international break, uh, you guys had earned four points from the opening two. And, you know, so many months later and a live show at Casey beer and during Oktoberfest later, uh, you guys have three draws and one loss within the Bundesliga after 19 matches. Favre seems to have just waved magic wand and made this all happen. I mean, paint the story for us. What has been the success of Bayfa Bay? Well, I think one one immediate answer is Marco Royce, right? So the Royce is kind of reunited with the, with the guy who who jump started his career and took him to that next level. And Royce went from a, a pretty darn good player to the best player in the Bundesliga. I mean. Um, you know, maybe you could make an argument for other players, but it's it's hard to say anybody but Royce. He's needless to say, in the previous he, seasons for Bayfell Bay, he had kind of he had been a performer, but his injury proneness would sometimes bite him in the butt. Uh, he wasn't able to participate in the World Cup winning side for Germany of 2014. Is that kind of uh, what has also been a the kind of nice addition for Bayfobe of the season. Well, obviously anytime he's healthy, he, he, he's an, you know, an incredible player. I think maybe the difference this year is, is with the way they build up and, and just the little short passes that, that Fabra really favors just really puts him in such a better position to, to both distribute, you know, in the attacking third. And I think now, instead, instead of cutting in at, at a, at a sharper angle, a lot of times now he's dribbling much more in, at, at straight at the goal in the middle of the park where he can be more effective. And, and I think the other difference in that Dortmund's been really good about, you know, with the really steady um, two strong sixes sitting kind of at the back. Um, a lot of times they're actually taking defenses in transition instead of before where a lot of times teams had been bunkered a little bit first, or it just did just a much better job of using a short passing and really, really kind of building building in not a different way, but, but there's much more of a, of a, um, much more of a, an emphasis on playing from, from the center backs and, and the way that they move the ball, the way they build up is just a lot more cohesive. And obviously with the, with the chaos with, you know, Stuga and, and, and boss last year, it's just, a, it's just a very different look, but, but in general, I think just with Royce, that reuniting with Favre, you know, he, he's, he's got the perfect kind of, kind of uh, talents to fit in into the hole at that, at that kind of 10 spot. And it's just, it's just made a huge difference. You know, early in the season when we started, um, it, it was very, um, I don't know, just, just everything hadn't gelled yet. Everybody wasn't kind of understanding the plan as well as they did maybe toward the end of the year, but yeah, it's, it's been, he's been different. And then there've been other players who have just looked like completely different talents. Um, the center backs are great. You know, obviously the additions of Witzel and, Witzel and Delaney have just been uh, game changers. You, you look at, yeah, early I thought they were being awfully, awfully, you know, um, a little overly defensive playing with Delaney and, and Witzel. You know, there's not a tremendous amount of playmaking there, but really it's been more about being absolutely steady at the back. I had said early in the year, I felt like going forward, 
Dortmund's just going to be really hard to beat this year. They may they may draw a few more than you would hope given certain situations, but man, they are just really difficult to beat. You have to you have to really get at them early and knock them off their game. And and right now, um, they kind of have a tendency to do just enough to win matches. Like they don't. It's not like you know the super high heavy metal football under under Jurgen Klopp. It's much more of a of a we're going to do exactly what we need to do. We're going to be really, and everybody's in their, in their place defensively, their assignment sound. And then, and then they kind of go forward, right and forward with, with Jaden Sancho has just been an absolute, you know, underkind uh, up there. And, uh, and, and the, the, the ultimate joker in the new edition from Spain. So yeah, it's, um, it's been an interesting year. And I don't, I don't think even the most optimistic Dortmund fan would have seen us six points clear of, <laughs> of everybody else um at this point but yeah, it's it's been a heck of a ride you've talked about the kind of back line doing really well uh i would have to say that diallo uh has been despite his big move from mites has been pretty phenomenal uh for you guys in the center back role i think within the midfield axel witzel you know you what you had like dortmund had in previous seasons, people talked about their kind of transfer policy as picking up guys who were, you know, ready to become the finished article within uh, Dortmund. Whilst with Witzel, you had a guy who had been well-traveled, uh, established stuff at Liège before and into the Belgian national team, moving, who then, you know, moved Benfica's and it's St. Petersburg before getting a nice payday in China really ready-made uh, player, kind of like uh, Thomas Delaney, I would have to say, uh, as well in the midfield, kind of more of a defensive role, if I might say. Those two guys kind of coming in as more finished articles uh, than Dortmund had been purchasing in recent seasons. Um, if I can say, like, one gotta kind of put the question out there because we're all three of us here uh follow the united states national team have sympathies uh towards it had always been monitoring christian pulisic regardless of whether we cheered for his club or not but we're monitoring his progress at Bruce dortmund he his um move to chelsea which uh he's if i if I'm correct, I think it's he's tech, he was purchased by Chelsea but loaned out to Bayfall Bay for the remainder of the 2018-2019 season. Is that going to be seen as this is more kind of a long-term view? Is that going to be seen as an issue uh, for Bayfall Bay as they gear up towards a Champions League season in a couple of weeks' time? Will he be distracted by the fact that he's moving on to a, a team, you know, in one in a more glamorous city than Dortmund? I mean, w- what is his contribution going to be to the squad? Is his head going to be turned? You know, it's hard to say at this point. Um, he hasn't he he's kind of been replaced whether it's whether it's you know he tries to get some minutes out on the left and he and he's replaced by uh oh my gosh the portuguese player why can't i think of his name um, Guerrero? yeah Guerrero on the left or obviously you know Jaden sancho and his sort of meteoric rise you know out on the right he he just hasn't been um it just hasn't been a good fit i i've heard a lot of people say that 
you know, he almost thrives um, a little more in chaos in different kinds of spaces um, with maybe a lesser defined role. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been the season. He really hasn't had, he, he's had a couple of really good matches, but you have to go back quite a ways before he was getting, you know, re- really regular starts. And he hasn't been a, a really, um, uh, you know, an Im- important key player uh, for, for this team in quite a while. And, and I think, I, I almost wonder if maybe that's part of uh, what's been going on with him. You know, it's, there's a lot of things in transition and he probably feels very stuck in a rut. You know, mm-hmm. here you had this kid Sancho come in and, Last year, you know, Pulisic was one of Dortmund's best players, and now all of a sudden he, he's he's kind of been passed up, and and Favre seems to favor, you know, different players. Um, it's it's so hard to say, right? Like I think I think him being back is probably best for everyone. You know, worst case scenario, Pulisic gives Dortmund depth. You know, if something Sancho experiences an injury, you know, um, is you know, they'll be fine. And that, and that kind of, it, it, it's, it's really hard to say. I'm, I'm stuck wondering if there's a lot of room left um, between what Pulisic now is in, in his ceiling or um, it, you know, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if that's just maybe, maybe we all had higher hopes than what would be, or if he just isn't a great fit for, for Favre, you know, Favre in, in, um, in several places, it's just hard to say. I have the personal belief that he's going to get some more minutes, really contribute down the stretch, and then um, his his career will really be seen as um, a pretty good a pretty good uh, you know endorsement. But I I don't think he's I think it it speaks um, a little bit of a bummer for me that they're losing him. I I all the reports I've heard that Pulisic wanted wanted to move. You know, he wasn't super demanding about it. He just wanted to get it done. Um, I think he he felt he was ready to move on at this point. And what I'm hoping is is that now that all that's settled, he can get back into a rhythm and 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 perform. But if if he doesn't, I mean, it hasn't been a problem this year because he hasn't been that great. You know, it's it's actually been some time since we saw the the Christian Pulisic that we said, "Wow, boy, this is going to be, you know, a, a, a real." key player for Dortmund going forward. But, you know, at this point, I think that the real interesting part of the Pulisic narrative is just how will it be for his career rather than how will it be for Dortmund? That being said, uh, kind of look at BFB and who, you know, uh, being given an extra six months with Pulisic and, like you said, gives depth. I mean, I would have to say he kind of lost his position to Sancho when he got hurt and Sancho just took off like, you know, uh, just a rocket. And it's kind of like, sorry, uh, how can you earn your way back when someone is doing so well? But is there uh, what would you say from kind of us looking at this from this point of view? What are the plans of finding the next uh, personnel to replace uh, Pulisic? I mean, are we looking at a like for like uh, player who's already on the on the Bundesliga roster, or is this something that's going to have to come in from uh, outside? I think they can take this time and 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 use what has been a uh, a backup role and go out and 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 look for another young player to develop. You know, they got uh, a pretty big pile of money for Pulisic for somebody who wasn't uh, who hasn't been a, you know a starter necessarily. 
And I think what they'll do is what they always do. They'll go out with the Packers and there's some other players. Um, we have the young man that's the the product of the Barcelona Academy on the roster. Um, you know, maybe maybe at this point he's good enough, but is but is kind of stacked behind a, a number of players. I think I think like always they'll they'll go out and try to you know whether it's from a team in France or whether it's uh, you know so, somewhere around the world they're always they're always uh, uncovering good talent. I at this point I think it you know with the Guerrero and and uh, Guerrero has been over the last few weeks has been really influential. Um, I think his, his sort of return to the top has been really good. I actually think that, um, they really need to spend more money, um, creating more depth at the fullback position. Uh, you know, Ashraf Hakimi is, is a, a lone player from Real Madrid. So right now you've got, you've got Pichek on the, on the right, who's kind of having a resurgence this year and has been quite good. And then of course you have Schmelzer on the left who just has not looked the same. You know, he's a player who's, you know, he's, starting to get up there in age and that's a, a position that, that you do have to cover a tremendous amount of ground, even though he's always kind of been iron man and is, is in fantastic shape. And that I just really believe that now that the center back, you know, group is, is really um, solidified. I think they need to go out and pursue better fullbacks at this point. Hmm. Interesting. Is there a, is there a cause to purchase Hakimi kind of like there was with Alcacer? I don't see it happening. I, at this point, it's not like he's gone to Dortmund and just been okay. You know, in stretches, Ashraf Hakimi has been just incredible. You know, the the, the kind of one-two that he had last weekend uh, really kind of seemed to jumpstart the team and 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 kind of got everybody's energy going. He he is just absolutely electric. He's incredibly pacey, and I, personally, I just don't see what. I mean, I, if it were me, of course, that's different, but I'm not a, you know, top end player at this point, you know, of course, I think he's going to go back to Real Madrid at the end of the loan. And, and that's all right, because we'll have gotten a couple of good years out of a, a pretty good player. But I just don't see that that happening. I mean, I'd love to be wrong, but I just it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Gotcha. Though I kind of am curious because you mentioned uh, fullbacks kind of being a spot of weakness. Uh, Tolian, uh, kind of made the move, uh, to you guys, uh, doesn't seem that long ago from Hoffenheim, but he's actually out on loan with Celtic. Is that more him not fitting in the five system or? Well, I, you can look at, he had a, a handful of games when he first got to the club and they thought, oh, I kind of see like what they purchased here. Um, he just doesn't look like a player with a tremendous amount of upside at this point and he doesn't he just does not defend very well uh i think he will will service out alone uh and come back and mm. and ultimately lose out to whoever else comes in i just don't see him as a player to, to stay at dortmund in the future he he just looks too much to me like uh you know kind of a third stringer or a guy who's in there for emergency depth and you know if i'm a guy at his age i think there's other places i'd rather go to get minutes Totally understand uh, a player wanting to just play because, shoot, it's a game that you get compensated for, and it's a very short time span of that as well. And honestly, guys just want to play. And all just want to play. So Dortmund currently in the round of 16 for the Champions League, uh, facing off against another English team. Seems once again... Uh, you guys are 
are not unfamiliar to Tottenham Hotspur, uh, will Bayfo Bay move on to the you know quarterfinals? Will they move I, on even further? I believe they will, despite the fact that they have um, you know someone who's just been an absolute Dortmund killer, and you know from his time in the Bundesliga and now at Tottenham, um, they just have a pile of injuries right now at Spurs. Uh, you know, Harry Kane, they say, is probably still going to be out for this one. Um, I just don't. With the way Dortmund play right now, they're just so hard to beat. And I think Spurs probably would have a pretty good chance with, with Kane. Uh, I noticed there was somebody mentioned there was a couple other players that were going to be missing uh, from that squad. So I think Dortmund's performing well enough to get through that one. But kind of depending on the draw, I just don't know what to expect. Um, I, I'm really stuck in this place right now with Dortmund you know, before this, the, the game against Hanover, which is, you know, it's hard to take a whole lot from that one because they're just so bad right now. Um, you know, we've just been, there's a lot of matches where people just would kind of say, well, they just kind of got lucky down the stretch, you know, and I kind of go back to what I said earlier in the year. Yeah. You know, I'm not in disagreement. I just think they're really, really hard to beat right now, but that's not to say that just being hard to beat is enough. I think they need to recapture a little bit of their fervor going forward and there, you know, there's some injuries. You know, we've been playing Julian Weigel for the last two matches at center back. And that's, you know, that that that's a problem. You know, um, we're still missing some some key people in the back. And they say Pishek might be out this weekend. And I mean, I just with this as old as he is, I just don't know how you can expect, you know, him to play this long. And like we we talked about fullback depth and and it I I I see them making it at least another round. I think they'll get past Spurs, but boy, it's going to be hard after that. You know, it just the, the the level of competition raises so much after the, this next round um, that I that I don't necessarily see it happening. Indeed, it always is. But hey, you're still in the Pokal versus Vitter Bremen. Uh, this was like to attack, but you guys have them at home, so you guys should have the advantage there. And who knows when you get to the uh, final eight of the Pokal? You guys were able to win it recently, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Not too long ago. And uh, following the Eintracht, uh, you guys have a home uh, to Hoffenheim. Uh, In between Eintracht and Hoffenheim is when the Pokal will be playing. So a little bit of focus maybe going elsewhere. And we'll We'll see. Uh, and you also have Nuremberg in between before, uh, after Hoffenheim, but in between that is your Champions League match. So you guys, uh, you guys got some toughies. You guys got some cupcakes. Yes, I'm talking about you, Nuremberg. And I don't know if Hoffenheim really is all that focused now. I think that uh, maybe we might start seeing them drift away, but that's just my own. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bummer. I wouldn't be too upset about that. Yeah, not not upset about that at all. So that all being said, let's start getting into what we have as expectations for this. Should be a match that should be torch spiel, but hey, you know, it's okay that it's not. Uh, it's the uh, early Saturday kickoff time, so uh, that is going to be 9.30 on the East Coast in the morning and uh, on, in North America. That's Eintracht Frankfurt versus Bruce Dortmund uh, as part of Fox Sports Bundesliga coverage. That's FS1 showing it there. Uh, Mark, let's bring you in. What are you expecting from Eintracht versus Bay? 
Not gonna lie, um, I was definitely a little concerned after last weekend's performance <laughs> that we looked a little, little it slow was entertaining, on the back line. It was entertaining for sure, but a little closer comfort uh, personally. So I'm a little concerned about this weekend. I I really hope that we can sneak away a point out of this match because if we continue to play like we did last week, then we might catch no points. <laughs> but I'm really excited to watch Dortmund play. I mean, Sancho has been really fun to watch as of late. And I'm going to be really excited to see what our new additions that we've just picked up, and which Orhoa, I believe to be match match fit, um, may make an appearance this weekend. So It's interesting times, interesting times. Uh, Jason, what can you expect? What are you expecting from uh, Eintracht BVB? At the Comet, at the Vard Stadion, at Frankfurt, the Comets Bank Arena. You know, this is a really intriguing matchup. You know, you have you have Dortmund a little bit uh, a little bit light at the back line. You know, you're down to Diallo and, and more than likely Julian Weigel at the center back position, which has been surprisingly good. Uh, I've been really impressed with him back there. But you know, you know, Eintracht's got a lot of a lot of firepower going forward. I think I think the the real matchup here is going to be. How Dor- how Frankfurt's back line deals with uh, Dortmund going forward, you know, uh, they can turn Dortmund can turn on you so quick and be be back in transition that um, they could just really be chaotic. Um, it, it, I think it really depends on how Dortmund sets up. If if they're very defensive minded early and can't kind of seem to break Frankfurt down, we could be talking about a draw or a win for 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 Frankfurt at that point. Um, it just it's games where we seem to go in and be a little tentative or just overly defensive minded. Uh, at times, the players start to get a little, you know, frustrated. They play a few too many balls over the top and, and sort of lose the, you know, little tight short passing that, that they've kind of become known for recently. Um, I I think there's two real outcomes to this. I think it's either, ah, boy, I think if Dortmund go up early, it could be like a two-one maybe. Um, ultimately, I think this might be a 2-2. I think that's interesting. interesting you say that, and I'm actually really looking forward to hear Brian, <laughs> his prediction, because, you know, Jason, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before, but for weeks now, <laughs> weeks, my co-host, my colleagues have been saying, oh, man, I wish we played Dortmund when we were playing in this form now to see what kind of game we'd get. So I'm actually really <laughs> interested to see what Brian's about to say. Well... I'll say this, when it does come to Eintracht, you can only expect attacking when it comes to Eintracht, releasing the Buffaloes. Uh, in the few moments that uh, Bruce Dortmund has not done well this season, let's take, let's go back all the way to August. The only Bundesliga match that they have not scored in was back in August. Uh, that was a very long time ago. That was a nil-nil with Hanover. How the hell you guys didn't pull all three out? I don't know because it seems forever ago. When you guys do play against the attacking teams, uh, Bayfell Bay is still able to score. I think it is going to be more down to how much more Eintracht's defense will stop uh, Bruce Dortmund's offense rather than the other way around. Because I think that you know Dortmund, they you know they held strong against Leipzig. They held strong for the most part against Mooch and Gladbach. They honestly have, I mean, I still think the Fortuna Düsseldorf result was just a one-off weirdy. 
And honestly, the defense hasn't looked has not embarrassed themselves all season long, but I think that it is well past time that that it happens. And I think it is, will almost be a good thing that it could possibly happen against a good team rather than a bad team, because then that can show to the defenders, to the team themselves, that, hey, this is what can happen when we play against a good team. I am expecting an Eintracht 2-1 win. Wow. Yeah, Even yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Brian. Someone's going to say, Brian, that's the third week in a row that you're picking yeah. up. But, you know, uh, third time's a charm. I'm going to get this blasted thing right. Uh, hey, I did predict two goals for the Eintracht last week, and I just didn't expect that they would concede two. But I do think that Borussia Dortmund will fall to the Eintracht, and I think this will be seen as a good thing uh, in Favre's eyes, because it will have come not against a Dusseldorf, uh, who you're just playing against one of the team that's apparently now mid table somehow, some way uh, on the road. You're playing against one of the teams that are honest to God, pushing for Europe as Eintracht are. Eintracht is also participating in Europe. So they've been able to compete on uh, multiple fronts and have done exceptionally well all season. I think this is going to be a real good test for BC Dortmund in a key part of the season as you're entering at the re-entering uh, the knockout phase of Europe and you're going into the next round of the Pokal at home against Werder Bremen. I think that Eintracht is coming in the season overall aspect for Bayfield Bay at the perfect time because uh, Bruce Dortmund pulls off a really good result. Guess what? They can basically go home and say, <laughs> Werder Bremen, Tottenham, give us your worst. We just went to Leipzig, one, and we went to Frankfurt and one. And they'll think, Bremen at home, got this, done deal. And then they'll go to London and probably thump, thump that northern uh, uh, London side in the round of 16. But that's just my anticipation of how things will fall. Either way, Eintracht 2-1 victor. So our predictions have been laid out for Eintracht versus Bayfield Bay. You can watch that in the United States of America on Fox Sports 1, uh, part of the for uh, early games on the Saturday and uh, the prime time slot going to have the uh, good uh, broadcast crew, hopefully as well. We'll find out a little bit more. Hopefully we have uh, the venerable uh, Derek Ray as broadcaster. Cause I always love him when it comes to really just any coverage that he does uh, for soccer, for Fox sports. I think that we should be in for a treat either way. Otherwise let's, Kind of wrap up the show right here, gentlemen. Uh, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? Jason, as you are our guest, you go first. Well, while Jason comes back, I guess you can find me at C-R-A-M-O-R-D-A-P on Twitter. That's my name backwards, Cramordap. What about you, Brian? Where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at K-C-S-G-E. You can follow the show at H E F pod. We can also uh, bring back Jason. Jason, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? We may have lost him. I think looks like we may have. 
anyways, we'll be able to throw out links uh, to our uh, on uh, our Twitter, kind of showing uh, Jason's own uh, Twitter feed for that. You can also follow the show on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash HEF pod. You can also, uh, by following that, you get links to uh, new and updated Eintracht information in the English language, whether that be from the team website or from other media sources as well, covering uh, the Eintracht. Also, hey, you get new episode drops and exclusive content such as uh, one-on-one interviews with fellow fans and contests. Some people win. And they get I like swag. contest. Yeah, yeah. Go it all you want there. Go it all <laughs> you want there, Mark. Well, that being said, I'd like to thank everyone for being involved with this most recent episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Golly, episode 78. Really starting to rack climbing. up there. Really good. Yeah. I feel like, feel like you're getting old, don't you, Brian? Uh, hardly. hardly. Soon enough, well, the podcasts are going to go off to college. You never know. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> okay. Oh, that Jason's old. back. There he is. Yes. Jason, where can we find you in the social media landscape? As always, you can find me at Gelba Cartoon. I love talking to my uh, Eintracht Frankfurt fan friends in addition to my Dortmund fans, of, of course. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I always have a great time. And we do as well. So from all of us here at hey Eintracht Frankfurt, tschüss. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. Frankfurt, la 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 la. Hey, I'm from Frankfurt, la 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 la.